Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. We are going to begin this week a new message series that I've been really um, thinking about for quite some time. Really excited to participate and uh, to to lead you guys in it. A message series called Creed, um, and this message series is really all about the concept of what do we as Christians believe? What do we believe, and why does it matter? That's the question that will guide every one of our messages this week. What do we believe, and why does it matter? Um, you know, throughout the past two thousand years, many people have asked that same question. What do we as Christians believe? Whether there are people who aren't Christians looking at Christians saying, what is it that you believe? Why do you believe it? And why does it matter? Or even Christians themselves asking the question, what is it that we believe? How do I know what I believe? And honestly, why does it matter that I believe this particular thing? Uh, Church leaders over the years have sought to bring clarity and understanding to Christians by creating what are called creeds. And I looked up the word creed in the uh, dictionary. The Merriam-Webster dictionary says that a creed is a brief authoritative formula of religious belief, or more easily, simply, you could say a fundamental, a set of fundamental beliefs, also a guiding principle. And so there are two very famous creeds in the Christian uh, tradition that we have, we want to kind of bring up and give respect to. We mentioned one of them already, which was the Apostles' Creed, but there was one that came um, that is very familiar, and it's called the Nicene Creed, and it was created in AD 325. The Apostles' Creed was formalized and written down in, in, in AD 710, between 710 and 714. Even though the, the Apostles' Creed is probably the most simplest and is, uh, and is probably the earliest origination of an attempt to put a creed down, it was not formalized until much later after the Nicene Creed. But the point of both of these is that they are unifying statements that share what we believe to be true about God and what it means to follow him. And so the idea of why the early church leaders and why um, scholars and theologians over the years have created these various creeds is to bring clarity to a Bible that has 66 books that was written over 1,500 years, and to be able to give an understanding of the foundational set, the set of foundations of what it is that means to be a Christian. And so over the next couple of months, and I say months, is because there are probably about 10 different uh, topics that we want to go through. Um, that we're going to take time to go through, we're going to ask the question, what do we believe about each of these things and why does it matter? We're going to cover topics like the Bible, the concept of the Trinity, um, the concept of eternity, salvation, and the church, and there are others as well. And I think it's valuable to know what we believe, because when we know what we believe, it will inform how we will live. I think that's the piece that's important. We have to understand that. And I want you to understand that regardless of whatever you believe about Christianity is that you believe in something and what you believe in already informs how you live. So as Christians, we're called to live according to what we believe about God and about Jesus Christ. And so understanding what we believe as Christians will inform how we live. And it's not just about knowledge. 
Because the thing about Christianity is that it's knowledge combined with God's spirit within us that has the power to work in and through us. It's not just about knowledge. It's about the combination of understanding and the spirit of God. When they come together, something powerful happens. Transformation takes place. And so this week, we're going to begin by talking about the Bible. And if you guys went on uh, our website, EncounterPGH.com, this is not an advertisement specifically about our church, but on our website, there is a section called What We Believe. And on that is where we're going to be guiding, we're going to be going through over the next uh, couple of months uh, in this series, you'll see the, the different topics we'll be covering. And the first one is the Bible. And it says right next to it that God wrote a book. God wrote a book the Bible. And I want to read to you real quickly what it says on our website, which is kind of the guiding statement that we'll be exploring today when we talk about the Bible. It says this, the Bible is God's word to all people. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. And because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without any mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. <clears throat> Let me pray. God, I ask that you would enlighten our hearts this morning to what your word says, but also to what your spirit confirms is true. We ask that each one of us, wherever we stand this morning in terms of understanding of what we think and what we know, I pray that all of our assumptions would be left at the door, and this morning we would be con feel confirmed by what you would say to us is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I used to think that, uh, like many people, that the Bible uh, was boring. Um, anybody, anybody on the on our call this morning would be uh, maybe bold enough to 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 let me know if you ever thought. I mean, anybody just like at any point in their life is like, I feel like the Bible is boring. I feel like it's it's irrelevant. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, a lot of people, uh, and myself included, for a long time, felt like it was nothing but a bunch of rules and restrictions. But I have since discovered that it is so much more than that, because the Bible is actually about things like this. Who is God? What is he like? What does he think about us as people? And how do we relate to him? And I would say this, is that if we as people, Christians or not, could see the Bible as one of the primary ways that God reveals himself to us as people, and I think that it will change the way that we read it and understand it. And from that perspective, if we see it not as, as written by old people who have no touch with what our lives are like today, but instead, if it's, if it's a, an exercise in understanding the nature of who God is, what is he trying to say to us? What is it saying about humanity? And how can I connect with God? If we look at it from that perspective, I think we'll be able to see how it relates to our lives and then it can become exciting, and it can become life-giving. And that's the journey that I've been on uh, over the course of my uh, teenage and into my adult life. I have come to a place now where I understand that while the Bible is difficult to read in some places, I now see clues, and I see uh, moments all throughout it. It's, hard, it's actually harder for me now to find spaces that don't feel relevant to my life than... Um, than the ones that that 
did I just say that correctly? It's harder for me to be able to find spots that aren't relevant, that I feel like aren't relevant than it is for me to find ones that are. Like I constantly open the Bible and I can resonate with what it's saying because my perspective has shifted. And that's my goal for every one of us today is to, is to have a deeper understanding of what God's word is about, what the Bible is about. And so I want to start today by asking the question, what do we believe about the Bible and what does it matter? And when I say we, when I speak from that perspective, I mean from specifically from Encounter Church, but more specifically the greater understanding of the Bible from a Christian point of point of view. I do recognize that there may be nuanced differences across uh, individuals or perhaps even within Christianity. I'm not talking about what does a non-Christian think about the Bible. That's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're really talking about is why. What is a what does a Christian believe about the Bible and why? Again, there may be small uh, differences within Christianity about these things, but generally speaking, what I'm saying is what does our church believe and profess to be true about the Bible? And so again, I want to read real quickly our statement from our website. The Bible is God's word to all people. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. And because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without any mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. And so I want to pull apart each of these pieces and talk about it. The Bible is God's word to all people. What does that mean? It means that God's desire is that everyone would know him. We see that all throughout scripture. It actually says that, that God's desire is that all people would be saved. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, right? Like the entire world. It wasn't just the Jewish people, which is what people normally thought of at the time. So he wrote a book, all right? That's what we talk about. He wrote a book, the Bible, to reveal to every generation his character and his plan. And to help us understand who we are as humanity and what true life was designed to look like. That's what the Bible is about. It starts with this concept that, that God is trying to say, hey, universe, hey, every person who's ever lived, this is who I am. This is what I think about you. And this is what humanity is like. And this is what how I would like for us to relate to each other and how I am creating a plan for us to know each other. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 4. There's a lot of scripture today, so you don't have to turn to all of them. If you want to write these down to look at them later, you can. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, God actually tells his people why he's giving them his word, why he wants them to write these things down. He says, now Israel, listen to the statutes and ordinances that I'm teaching you to follow. Why? So that you may live, enter, and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. You must not anything add anything to what I command you or take anything away from it so that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. In other words, I'm starting to tell you some things. I want you to write them down, but not just so you can have rules, but so that you can understand what true life was meant to be lived like. Look what it says in Psalm 119, verses 11, verse 89, and verse 105. This is from the perspective of a human being now. This is the, I believe, David writing this, where he's saying he's reflecting on God's word spoken through the prophets, through, uh, through individuals who've written down scripture, right? He says, I have treasured your word in my heart. It's become something applicable to him so that I might not sin against you. I recognize that the scripture has been given to teach me what life is supposed to be like. Verse 89 says, Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. He understands the concept that when God has spoken, 
that it speaks truth and it stands forever. And then in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That what God speaks into existence is designed to be applicable to life. And so it started with one people group, right? We know that, that, that the Bible opens with the concept of that God speaks to one people group, which is the people of Israel. But it was always pointing to Jesus, one man, Jesus, the fulfillment of all of it. And then Jesus talks about this in John chapter 5, verse 39, when he says, you pour over the scriptures, right? He's talking to Jewish people. And he's saying, you go over the Torah and uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. And he says, you look at all the words of the prophets. You're reading all the Psalms. You know all of that stuff. You pour over the scriptures because you think that you have eternal life in those. And yet they testify about me. The Bible is about Jesus. And then even in John 16, verses 13 to 15, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and he will declare it to you. Everything the father has is mine. And this is why I told you that what he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that every single thing that you read in the Bible is really pointing back to Jesus. And so what started, what started as, you know, a God of the people of Israel, and it was really just them learning who God was, it really, the God's plan was all along was to be about Jesus and to invite every single person in the world who ever lived into a relationship with him. And that's what the New Testament is about. It's about the word of God being spread to the rest of the world, not just Jewish people. Every single book of the Bible points to Jesus as God's incarnate personification and solution to the broken relationship with our creator. It was written for all people in all places across all time, not just the God of white people or Europeans, not just Middle Easterners, not just Asians, men, young people, women, old people. It's written for everyone. And this is the problem. And this is why it's very important to understand that God's word is written for all people. It's because over time, over the last 2000 years, there have been people who have made it only for certain people. It's very important to understand that God's word is written for all people. And this matters. Why does it matter? Every time we speak something, we're going to ask, why does it matter? It matters because it identifies the inherent value of every single person in God's eyes. Knowing that the Bible was written for all people means that it identifies the inherent value of every single person in God's eyes. And also it shows the lengths that he will go to, to have a relationship with us. I mean, if you look at the Bible from that perspective, it was from like, it's from beginning to end. It's, it's amazing to see what God does and how he has overplayed the long game so that each one of us would know how much he loves us. And then it goes on to just tell us flat out in Romans that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. If we know that the Bible is written for all people across all time, and there are some messed up, nasty people who've done horrible, terrible things in our lifetimes or in our world. 
and yet the Bible was written so that they might be saved, even those people? That's amazing. That God's word is for all people and identifies the inherent value of every single person, and it shows the lengths that he will go to to have a relationship with us. The Bible is God's word to all people. But not only that, it was written by human authors underneath the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean that it was written by humans, but under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at some more scripture. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two says this, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Romans chapter 15, verse four. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. And lastly, 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 17. And you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are given to you, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So when we say that scripture was written by human beings under supernatural guidance, what does that mean? Sometimes it was direct messages. It was, I want you to say this. We see that in the prophets, right? Sometimes it says, the word of the Lord says exactly what I'm about to tell you. Other times it was written in essence or in principles. Oftentimes it was historical uh, retrospective. Other times it was poetry or allegory. There are um, like poems, like for example, we see in Psalms, right? Uh, Song of Solomon is a poem. These are still getting across principles and essences of what God is saying, how he reveals himself, but sometimes they're, they're essence as opposed to direct messages. And it's important to understand that when we say that human beings wrote down all of these scriptural uh, evidences, is that we're saying that it is divine inspiration, not manipulation. It wasn't that God like came in and totally possessed a person and caused their hand to move in certain things. Every one of these individuals felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to say something. And if you, if any of you have ever, have ever um, felt like there was something impressed upon you to speak to a friend or to encourage them, and you just felt like, I know that God was telling me to tell you this, then you understand maybe a fraction of what we mean by inspiration of the scriptures. That is not to say that, that when you felt like God said, hey, I want you to know that God still loves you, that that's not canonical scripture. That's not what, what I'm trying to say. But it is the same idea that God wants to speak through people. And so he did so in the past to write down these pieces to reveal who he is so that people in future generations would know who God is. And he did that in such a way that all of these things were written with human perspective and human understanding but guided by the Holy Spirit. And the thing that's important to know about the Bible is that even though it was written by human beings and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that it has one unified message and themes 
over 1,500 years spanning 66 books. That's the amazing thing about the Bible is that it was written over a course of 1,500 years, has 66 different books and many different authors. And yet, if you look at the entire Bible, it all works together. It's unified, one unified message with themes that are all woven throughout it telling you the same thing. Why does this matter? It matters because what that does is it allows us to see ourselves in the story and how we relate to God. It was written by humans who had real human emotions, who experienced God in their timeline. We talked a couple of weeks ago about, about how Hezekiah was about, their city was about to be uh, sacked by the Assyrian army, and they were terrified, and they prayed, and they wrote down what happened. That gives me peace because when I feel terrified about my life circumstances, I can look in scripture and see that it was written by real people who understood what it meant to feel fear or to feel doubt or to feel guilt or shame or anger. You know, I see myself as a human being in the story. And because God chose to write his story through human beings, we can see ourselves in the story and how we relate to God. It also shows that God prefers to partner with us rather than force us to do things. He could have just completely invaded a human being and written everything out and taken away their will. Instead, he chose to partner with us. And we see that all the time throughout scripture. And we see that in our own lives. I think that matters. It shows us the character of God, that he would rather partner with us to accomplish his will and to reveal himself to our world than force us. And it also shows that God is with us at all times and will never abandon us. That's the word of incarnate, incarnation, which we talked about in December. The concept of the incarnation is that God chooses to be with us physically in our spaces. He inhabits those spaces regardless. There are some really terrible moments in scripture, evil, horrible moments where it seems like, why would God allow that to happen? But don't we ask the same questions today? God, why do you allow these things to happen? It's because I think that sometimes there are only certain things that we can see about God's character in moments of pain and in struggle. We can see his goodness, or we can see his, his faithfulness, or we can see his steady hand, or we can see his strength. We can see his mercy, but we can also see his justice. Sometimes we see his, um, his holiness and his righteousness. We can see the consequences of our own actions and our own sin when he chooses not to intervene. There are aspects of that. And when we look at God's word written by human beings and inspired by the Holy Spirit, we can see that God is with us at all times and he will never abandon us. The Bible is God's word to all people. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, because it was inspired by God, the Bible is, is truth without mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. Now, what do I mean by that? I want to break that up into a couple pieces. John chapter 17, verse 17 says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The first part of that statement is because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth. The Bible is truth. God is truth and his word is true. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that That God's word is true? We have this statement here that says, without mixture of error, right? Without mixture of error. Because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth 
without mixture of error. What am I saying here? God is truth and his word is true. The question that I'm asking is, what does mixture of error mean? What I want to get across to all of us when we say that God's word is true without mixture of error is that it is unified and it is trustworthy. That's what I want you to understand that we're saying. It is unified and it is trustworthy. It means it is reliable and it is the correct expression of God's message to humanity. The correct expression of God's message to humanity. Now, some people like to talk about and analyze, and they use words like inspiration. They use words like inerrancy. They use words like infallibility, okay? And I think that those words are helpful for study and that some individuals need to wrestle with these ideas. The concept of inspiration means how did it come about? We talked about that, right? That God inspired people to write down the things he wanted to reveal about himself. The word inerrancy means no errors of any kind, that there are no factual errors. The word infallibility actually speaks to the concept of the incapability of making error, that the Bible can't make an error. While I understand the importance of sometimes like putting terminology in there, I also think it can be a barrier and can be a limitation. I think that it's important, the perspective that we need to understand when we look at the word of God and then we look at the Bible is not specifically to inerrancy or to infallibility, but instead the correct perspective is that it is not designed for scientific precision. That was not the point of the Bible. It was not designed so that you could say whether or not like the earth was created in six days or seven days or not. The point of the Bible was not specifically to say whether or not the sun stood still in the air for, for 24 hours or not. It's not to say whether or not this specific battle happened on this specific day in this specific year of history. That is not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is not designed for specific scientific precision. It was designed to be whether it was true, whether it is wholly true in its perspective of revealing God's message to humanity. Is it trustworthy is the question that we are asking. Is it unified? And the answer to that question, I believe, is yes. 100% yes. The Bible is unified and it is trustworthy in its message and in its expression of God's message to humanity. Because it is reflective of what God is trying to say to his people about who he is, about who we are. If I look at it from the perspective of, I can see myself in it. I look at the story from Adam and Eve all the way through to Revelation, and I see every aspect of what it means to be a human being in every one of those stories, and I identify with it. I identify with the concept of wanting my own way. I identify with the anger and being enraged to the point of violence. I understand what it means to fail. I understand what it means to lust. I understand what it means to, to, uh, to lie, to feel shame, to feel guilt. I understand what it means to be separated. I understand what it means to feel xenophobic and to, to be afraid of people who aren't like me, to be racist. I understand what it means to, 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 to separate and to categorize. All of these things we see as truth in scripture. And I also see the freedom of God's grace. I see the judgment and the consequences of my sin. I see his, his mercy active in my life. I find the healing from the gospel. All of that is true. All of it 
is true. Why does it matter when we say because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without mixture of error? Because how we view the Bible informs how we respond to it. How we view the Bible informs how we respond to it. If I view the Bible as true, it becomes authority in my life. If I view it as opinion, it just becomes a matter to be considered. The Bible is true. It is inspired by God. It is truth without mixture of error. It is the truth, not a truth. And we work in a society that considers truths to be uh, to be flexible. My truth, your truth. What is true? What is it? Pontius Pilate even said it to Jesus when Jesus talked about the truth. And Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? The way that we view the Bible will inform how we respond to it. If we view it as authority, it will begin to speak into our life in a way that is different than if we look at it as a truth or possible truth. It gives us clarity. It gives us discernment. And it gives us direction in contrast to our culture. And the problem is, is that many Christians have begun to think that the Bible is not wholly true. They've begun to think of it as as an option, as it is a consideration. And then they wonder why they're confused about the way that they, their place in the world. When they come against their friends or when it comes against, um, you know, the society kind of rising up in particular trends. And then they are confused about what they believe about their circumstances and they waver in their beliefs. It is because of an erosion of truth in their own life about how they view God's word. We as Christians must look at the Bible as because it is inspired by God, the Bible is truth without mixture of error. It is the correct expression of God's message to humanity. Because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. It is completely relevant to our daily lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we'll wrap up here. For the word of God is living, it is effective, and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. I can think of pretty sharp swords. You know the the um, those katanas, the Japanese katanas. They're only single single bladed, but they cut through. They can lop off arms like they're they're that sharp. And the Bible says that the word of God, that is inspired by Him that is wholly true without mixture of error. It is alive, it is effective, and it is sharper than a double-edged sword. And what does it do? It says that it penetrates as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If it is simply a matter of an opinion, it does not have that power. However, if it is true, if it is from God, who is the author of all truth, if it is his word spoken, he set the laws of physics, the laws of the universe into motion. He created them. If his word is as equal and authoritative as gravity and as the law of, of thermodynamics, like if, if, if his word that we find in the Bible is just as true as those things, then it has the power to penetrate between our soul and spirit. 
and it can discern. It can judge our thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If we view the Bible as truth, the foundational revelation of God's nature and his design for life, I want to say that again. If we view the Bible as truth, and when I say truth, I mean the foundational revelation of God's nature and his design for of how we interact with him, how the world was meant to be lived, how we should speak back to him, how do we get to know him? All of that is the foundational revelation. It has the authority then to speak to every single area of our lives. That is a completely different way of looking at the Bible. Because I grew up thinking the Bible is just what I can't do. And it's not fun. And it has nothing to do with me. The Bible doesn't talk about the internet. The Bible doesn't talk about, you know, like looking at porn. The Bible doesn't talk about drugs. It doesn't talk about bullying. It doesn't talk about any of those things. But yes, it does. It does. It speaks to every single area of life. But from a macro perspective, if we view the Bible as true, as an authority, it will speak to every area of our lives. It has the power to transform. Why? Because it is alive, it is living, and it is active. The Holy Spirit is still working inside of it. I, I always love like watching movies when people like in like uh, like a Harry Potter or um, like any, you know any movie that has to do with like uh, spells and things like that. When they open books, sometimes there's like magic inside of them. Like that's kind of where the where the illustration ends. But this is the concept of the Holy Spirit alive in God's word. It's not just a book that's all dusty. Like, you know, you go into some old library or like some old tomb, like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they get to like that tomb at the end, like where they go inside and he's like looking at the books and like there's all this stuff and they always go and they blow it up, dust goes off. That's not the Bible. The Bible is not this, it might be on your shelf. Whoa, stepping on toes. But like the Bible here, like, like is, is alive when we open it and we read it. If we give ourselves the space to say, God, speak to me, the Holy Spirit within it and within each one of us has now the power to transform the words on paper into something that can, that can like seep into our soul. It's like the words on it become a part of our heart. So like when David says, I have written your word on my heart. What he's talking about is a transformation that begins to take place. It's not just something I read. He's like, I want to digest it. He actually, there were prophets who actually took the word of paper and ate the paper and like put it into their stomach. Now that sounds weird, but the idea was they were trying to cross the gap between what was on paper and become something that is, that feeds them. That's what it means to be alive and active. The Holy Spirit has the ability to take the words that are on the page and transform it into something that becomes transcendent to the page and becomes something that becomes alive inside of us. And the application of God's word, the integration of God's word results in life change and blessing. I want to read our statement again as we close out today. The Bible is God's word to all people. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. And because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without any mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. Would you close your eyes with me?
God wrote a book so we would know who he is, what he is like, what he thinks about us, and how we relate to him. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you chose to write across 1,500 years and 66 different books that are unified so that we would have a clear picture of who you are, what you are like, what you think about us, and how we can relate back to you. God, let your word become alive in each of us. I pray that we would each take time to think about what we believe about it. Is it the authority of our lives or is it just an opinion? Is it the truth or is it a truth? I know what I believe. And I pray that each person here would begin to wrestle with that so that we can begin to see the truth of who you are and what it means for us. Bless our discussion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.